Welcome to Side Conversations of Marketing, Management, and Money. Yes, our podcast is all things small business, but in these side conversations, we deviate a little bit and we might go into politics, religion, social, economics, or health, whatever we feel like talking about. So if you're interested in learning a little bit of our take on other issues, welcome to Side Conversations. Hey guys, Marketing Management Money here with Ryan Ethan. Um, we're going to get off on a little bit of a tangent today, uh, but it's not its not a full-on tangent. Like, sometimes we just rant. This isn't going to be a rant. This is <laughs> this is going to be backed up. That's yet to be determined. No, it is. <laughs> this is not going to be a rant. But uh, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about an aspect of business that's not really an aspect of business, but is. And that is your health, uh, your, your, your personal health. And we're going to make this a side conversation where it's not going to be a, you know, a, a full-on episode. And really the difference between side conversations and episodes is how anecdotal they are. On the episodes, we really try and, and keep it more grounded in, in business principles. Factual. Yeah. And, uh, and so on the side conversations, we allow some more, uh, you know, just opinionated comments to, uh, to creep in. But I, I'm going to start with a, with a story. Uh, it's a, a business-related story. So this happened to me, uh, when was it? Two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, I get a phone call from uh, a guy that uh, I've worked with him over the years. Uh, I actually have a ton of respect for him. Like, he's, he's one of those guys worth keeping in contact with. And he gives me this call. So he got brought into a company, and they uh, it's, it's an asphalt company. So what they do is they... Uh, uh, they repair a lot of parking lots. Mm -hmm. So these aren't the guys that are going to be doing roads. You know, they're not like road engineers, but uh, they repair, uh, resurface a ton of parking lots. And the company is very successful. Like they, you know, they're, they're, they're competitive. They, uh, they're growing, doing really well. So you've got uh, a couple original owners, and they brought this guy in. And so he's considerably younger. So the original owners... Two of them are in their 70s. One of them's in their late 50s. Wow. Yeah. So they bring this guy in, and he's in his late 30s. And the idea is to have an option of, you know, like kind of a, a you know, a, a transition. And so... Uh, so this guy, uh, he's done. So this is this is definitely a family business, and he's got uh, he's got some family ties to this business, and he started in this business, and then he went out, uh, went to college, uh, got uh, got his MBA, and went out and did uh, a lot of business consulting. Also, uh, he did some. Uh, he worked for a uh, small business lending group that uh, he oversaw all of the uh, proposals that would come in. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, like an underwriter is probably not the best way to describe it because it was it was more of a specialized program. But but anyway, so he would review all of these, you know, uh, small business uh, high risk loans because that's what they specialized in is stuff that wasn't bankable. And uh, so he's got some great financial experience. Like he understands what, you know, what the financials of a small business need to look like for success. 
So anyway, the uh, the parent company or the uh, this asphalt company brings them, uh, you know, brings back in and says, "Look, we need someone who has your level of, of education. We've always kind of done this bootstrap style, you know, school of hard knocks, just kind of figuring things out, and we want someone who's got some education, got some experience, and can kind of help clean things up." So he's been in for a couple of years, and they brought him in in this quasi-management role where he's management, but the original owners are still managing. And so uh, he's kind of just uh, looking to transition. Well, one of the owners went on vacation, like an extended vacation, was gone for, I think it was a couple months, comes back. I mean, that's how well the company's doing is like, you know, wow. they they go on two-month-long vacations. And, and so... So anyway, uh, this owner comes back and he meets with him. The first thing he says when he gets back is he's like, I need to be done. Like, I had a great time on my vacation. <laughs> I'm in my 70s. Why, why am I coming back to a job? He's like, yeah. I need to be done. I need to be bought out, right? And so anyway, um, what, what, I'm, what I'm bringing this all into is the fact that this guy, you know, so financially, he's set, you know, he's, uh, he, he's doing great financially. He's well taken care of. If ever anything happens to him, his wife's taken care of, you know, and they're, you know, they're living the high life. They're going out and they're, you know, they're traveling. They're uh, really enjoying their life. They, you know, live in a, a nice home in a beautiful neighborhood. Like, so financially he's done well for himself. But the thing that has him so concerned is he's like, am I going to get bought out in time to still have any health to actually enjoy life? You know, I, I spent all these decades building this up and now when I'm going to get paid out because, you know, he's worth enough that he's not getting paid right out. Like he's he's going to get phased out. Right. And, uh, yeah. You know, and, and so and, and, and I remember I'll throw one more thing in and then we'll we'll, we'll get some of your thoughts on this. When I was in my early 20s, I uh, wanted to buy a fourplex. It was actually the fourplex I was living in. So we were renting this fourplex, and I wanted to buy this fourplex. And I put it together where I'm like, okay, I figured this all out. I did all the financial calculations on it, and I put together a uh, proposal, and I went to the owner. He wanted to sell. He was ready to get out, and I gave him this proposal. And he owned it outright, so he uh, had already uh, mentioned that he was going to do seller financing. And so, you know, I, I give him the proposal and he looks right at me and he says, I'm in my 80s. You got a 20-year proposal. <laughs> Not interested. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so. That's so, the funniest story I've heard from you yet. <laughs> And, and, and in your brain, it was totally logical. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was in my early 20s, and so I was actually being a little aggressive. I'm like, okay, we're not going to do 30 years on this. Let's go 20 years. And he's like, I need five. Like, I want my money now. Yeah. And, and so, so anyway, I want to <laughs> I, I, I talk about the, uh, this idea of, of health. You know, I've seen entrepreneurs that have worked themselves literally to death. Yeah. And, you know, like, is that the goal? You know, have a big old bank account that second generation inherits and squanders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> like first generation works their tail off, yeah. works themselves to death 
second generation sees how hard first generation works and says, that's not for me. I don't want that lifestyle. First generation dies. Who gets all the money? Second generation. That's they right. go and just spend it. Live. And then the third generation generally is responsible again. More responsible than the second. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, that, you know, that's, that's interesting. I, I mean, I like the story of the guy with the fourplex just because um, I, I think way too many people um, don't really have an exit plan either for their health or their, <laughs> or their business. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that they created a, you know, we joke all the time that oh, it's a lifestyle business. You know, it's never going to grow. It produces enough money to put gas in their boat, right? Yeah. So they create a lifestyle business, but unfortunately, um, I think a lot of times we do that um, with our health as well. We create a lifestyle, and then before you know it, you're kind of down that road, and and then to think about changing or, hey, how do I how do I make the best of the last of this? it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't do it. Well, and here's the interesting thing. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking for United States. I can't really speak to, you know, other countries or other parts of the world. But most people in the U.S., um, they're healthy enough in their 70s and 80s, but they're not, they're not that healthy. Well, the average, what is the average man? I don't, I don't remember if it's 72 or 76 now. Lifespan? Yeah. Uh, it's closer to 76. I don't know the exact number, but so it's... Uh, that's what I think I remember was like 76, which yeah. that means that some people live older than that, and a lot of people die younger than that, right? Right, yeah, if so, you think about average. Right. But when, so when my, I hear someone that died at 68, and they're like, he died so young, yeah, and I'm, I'm like, like, no, mm. I'm sorry, he was average. Yeah. Maybe a little bit below average, that's but right. not significantly. So, so my theory is that any day over the age of 70, you count as a blessing. Okay. Because you're at that but, point where... But is it a blessing? You know, I mean, if, if like, you've got arthritis in your hip and... You yeah, well, I, I mean, everyone's hobbies are a little bit different, you know, and both you and I, our hobbies are tied more to outdoor and... They're, they're and aggressive. Being, being they're active, active, yeah. You know, versus, you know, I, I know some people, their their hobby is... Uh, you know, another gentleman that I know, he's well in, well, he's into his eighties now, but he, he literally can tell you any TV series that pretty much has existed, the years that it ran, the seasons <laughs> that it was, right? That, that's his I, hobby. That sounds horrible to me. Uh, I, well, me too. But good for him. Yeah. But that, that's his hobby. And the, and the weird thing about it, the man is, he's brilliant, um, mentally, but for whatever reason, uh, and he, and w which is even also weird because I know he does, he loves to travel. Yeah. So he does travel, but, um, I mean, he's probably seen, I know he's seen more national and state parks in the United States than I have. Yeah. But it's weird to me because I, I literally, I, I can ask him about, I'll hear about something, a TV show I've never even heard about. I can ask him, he can tell me the actors that were in it. He can tell me the years that it ran, how many seasons that it ran. It's just unbelievable to me, you know what I mean? But so, that that was his hobby and but hence, you know, I um you know, he he his health is not is below average. I don't even know that it's average. 
but I think partly because of that is because a hobby that he has is sedentary. Yeah. Yeah. See, okay. So first off, I'm going to emphasize the importance of having passion in your life. Oh, I agree 100%. And I want to clarify that passion is not excitement per se. Right. Like you can be passionate about with something in kind of a dry, monotone way. And there are people who are that way. You know, when you talk about this guy, he probably lights up with, you know, getting to talk about all this useless trivia that he has. But I don't know that he's like bouncing off the walls telling you. He probably just wants the opportunity to share, you know, stats and figures about information that he's the expert on. I don't, the weird thing about it is, is I don't even know that he realizes that he's an expert in that. Really? He just knows it. Okay, but so that's really interesting because I know, and this is how you know you're old, that people say, I know a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> so I know another older gentleman that his passion is poetry. Oh, really? But the problem is, is he's not doing it for him. He's doing it for others. He's trying to show others that he's still kept his mind, that he's oh. sharp. And There's better ways to do it than poetry. Maybe not. I don't know. No, poetry is... Because I'm trying to think. Like, oh, he memorizes. You have, you, oh, does he memorize yeah, it? Yeah, he memorizes not poems. Not creating it. Uh, yeah, yeah. He memorizes poems. So that would be, because anything to do with memorization and learning and is huge for the mind as you get older. Yeah. But I, I look at his life, and I'm just like, the problem that I have is he's trying to hide the fact that he's getting older and so he's using poetry as a way to... Now, this is all my opinion here. <laughs> you know, like, maybe he's not doing this. Uh, like I said, side conversation. <laughs> but, you know, when I, see, uh, when I see him tout poems, it's to prove to other people that, ha, see, I know all this stuff. And so when you make the comment about, uh, you know, the guy you're talking about with all the TV stats... He, you know, where he's like, he doesn't even realize it. I'm like, well, that's a true passion. Like a true passion is something that you'll do regardless of other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so if you're still just trying to impress people, and I mean, I guess maybe your passion could be impressing people, but that, I, when people don't care, you know, if you have to get the trophy to win, it's not yeah. really winning. No, that's right. Well, see, and I'm a firm believer that... um Many, many, many forms of competition are actually uh, detrimentary to yeah. an individual. Then detrimentary? What? In the detrimental? Yeah, that work. That works too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, detrimentary is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sticking with it. Okay, okay. Detrimentary. Whatever, whatever that actually means. I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> Yeah, competition. I think it 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 creates worse habits, uh, more stigmas than uh, like I like the word that you use, passion. Doing it because I love to do it, yeah. and I do it for myself versus trying to compete with someone else. So, I, competition. I don't say overall is unhealthy because it does drive people to do some amazing things, but I see people who do. So many dumb things because of competition. So, so <clears throat> I recently got back from Helsinki. First time I've ever been to Finland. Fabulous place. It's a beautiful city, by the way. 
Like, it really was a cool city. Um, and it was fun to be that far north in June. Okay. Like, that's the furthest north that I've ever... So, Helsinki has the most northern metro uh, system in the world. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So... And that's useless information. <laughs> no, 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 it's fabulous. <laughs> so anyway, when I'm there, uh, I I have this business partner that I'm working with. And he's like, how long are you going to be in Helsinki? And I'm like, just a couple of days. And he's like, well, let's do something. Like, I, I want to show off Helsinki. He's like, what do you like? And I said, well, isn't Helsinki, like, isn't Finland known for its saunas? Like, aren't yeah. you guys world class for saunas? He's like, Yep. <laughs> I'm like, let's go, let's go sauna. And he's like, okay, it was fabulous. Like I had a wonderful time. It was, it was great. We'd, we'd, we'd go and uh, sit in the sauna and then you'd cool off in the ocean and then you'd go back into the sauna. I'm like, this is the way to live. <laughs> but while we're sitting there and, uh, you know, I was just kind of commenting, I'm like, I'm a weak American. I can't handle, you know, I can't handle too much. And and he tells me about these sauna competitions. Sauna competitions? Sauna competitions, oh, right? Okay, okay. And so now I'm just I'm just repeating what he told me. So <laughs> you know, don't <laughs> anyway, he's telling me about these sauna competitions and there was this Finn who he was like the and I'm like, what exactly do you like how long you can stay? And he's like, Yeah how hot they make it and how long you can stay in there. Oh. They just they just keep making it hotter and hotter Slow and hotter. Cooking. Yeah. So anyway there was these sauna competitions and there were these two Russians that were going to try and beat this Finn. And they, <laughs> they train and train and train and train. And then they set up this competition and, um, they, uh, you know, they just keep like, like raising the temperature and raising the temperature. And finally someone says, look, this is bad. No, what happened was one of the guys collapsed. I one of the Russians died. Yeah. So hear the story out, right? So one of the Russians collapsed and they're like, okay, this is bad. So they hurry and pull him out and he had to like go to the emergency room. I don't know if he, he went into a coma, oh. uh, but I don't know if he survived or not. The other Russian was already dead. He just hadn't He'd collapsed. Over. He just was still <laughs> propped sitting and he was dead. The fin was not dead. He was still conscious. Uh, it had burned his face. It was so oh. hot. Like he has, you know, like these face burns or something. Anyway, they found out that the Russians took painkillers to try and oh, uh, like they had painkillers yeah. in their body. And so, you know, when you talk about competition and like, no, don't. Don't. It's like those eating competitions. I don't get that. Have you seen those guys that can down yeah, a hot dog, hot dog in one swallow? Yeah. Like. I eat 40 in a sitting. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, I don't remember where we were or how we got here, but uh, that's. So, I want to go back to business health, right? Or I want to go back to maintaining your health while running a business. Uh, personally, I have never come across anyone who's let their health go who hasn't regretted it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking that you have to have optimal health. However, my personal belief, if I can talk here, my personal belief is Could that... Could be detrimentary. It is detrimentary. <laughs> yeah. That optimal health is worth it. Yeah. 
Like everyone thinks that it's too much. It's like, oh, you know, I don't want to take all the time and all the effort. And I'm like, it's so worth it. So worth it because it just improves every other aspect of your life. But the amazing thing, and when I'm, and I don't believe in being, uh, you know, because when I see uh, hardcore bodybuilders, you know what I mean? I'm not classifying I'm, bodybuilding as optimal health. No, in, in your fact, mind. That's, it's, that's why I'm bringing out as the clarity that, that uh, there's extremes both ways. So, you know, being extremely lethargic and the, you know, results that come from that along with the extreme uh, gung-ho, you know, weightlifting and I need to do, you know, 150 marathons in 150 days. I just saw some lady trying to do that. I'm just thinking that that's, I, I, that's not what we're talking about. But you get to a point in life like where boredom kind of kicks in, you know, you've been there, done that. Yeah, but I can think of better things to do than 150 marathons in 150 days. What would you do? Me? Yeah. Oh, you know what I would do. I would travel. Okay, but do you think you'd get burned out on travel? Yeah. Because, so, you know, I just got back from uh, a week and a half in Europe, and I built in some time, you know, some personal time. And it's not, it's the traveling that burns me out. It's the actual transportation piece of the travel. That's, yeah. This one kicked my butt. I was yeah. constantly on you know, a the, the plane, airplanes, train, or the trains, whatever. Uh, yeah. All of that, you know, the sitting, waiting in places. That's the piece I hate. If you get rid of that, because I love seeing new things. Mm-hmm. I love seeing new cultures and environments. Um, understanding, you know, why they are, you know, the way they are, you know, because you, you just have such a, such a greater appreciation for cultures yeah. and countries. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I you know, I'm a true believer that what you don't understand, you, you have two options. You're either going to fear it or you're going to kill it, right? <laughs> it's got to sound like the same thing. No, fear meaning I run, f- I, I run from it, I'm scared of it, I'm, versus I'm going to aggressively attack it because I don't understand it. Okay. So I, I guess you could kind of put them in the same. I, I, so, so I mean, I'm going with a third option of you could learn to understand it. Well, well that's, that's what it should be, but... Too often, history has shown that when when we don't understand someone, that's ex- we don't we generally don't take the time uh, to understand it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so, you know, that word foreign, yeah. you know, foreigner. Uh, that's exactly what it is. We, uh, you were raised different. I don't understand it. Hence, I I, I don't even want to be around you because you're just weird and yeah, you know what I mean. Or well, you're just totally stupid and a moron, and why do you think that way? Hence, I'm going to dominate you. Yeah. And so that, unfortunately, that's that's what happens way too often versus the whole, hey, look, I, if I at least spend some time with you and understand it, I, I may not want to adopt it in my life, but at least I'll come to a point where I'll respect it because I at least now understand and appreciate why you do what you do. And that's what I love about at least me traveling and cultures and meeting, you know, seeing new things and understanding it because I just have a greater appreciation for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think, you know, so when I'm talking about health, um, I think a lot of times people go straight to physical health. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's emotional, spiritual, intellectual health as well. Oh, yeah. And so when you're talking about, you know, traveling and gaining an appreciation, to me that's a form of health. Because I've seen, and, and I would put that in maybe an emotional, intellectual form of health. 
you know, and I've seen people that they're very intelligent, but they're just unhealthy mentally. Right. And and we, we talk about, so, I mean, there's, there is a mental health crisis going on right now with all the anxiety and depression and ADD and ADHD. And I, I mean, I don't even know all of the designations and almost uh, makes me wonder if we'd stop talking about it, if the stuff would go away, you know, my argument behind that is that, um, we preach sexual harassment you can't you can't almost go a day without someone talking about you know what sexual harassment is and don't do it and respect yeah, yeah, people yeah. but the numbers are increasing right right so obviously what we're doing isn't working well uh, okay so and i'm not saying to ignore it but what i am saying is that talking ab- about some things is not fixing the so I, I completely agree with you, but you do have to put one thing into perspective. It's not just uh, like a lot of stuff is now getting measured, mm. whereas, you Before know. Before it hasn't been measured. It was yeah. just brought to your attention. Yeah. I, I mean, I can think of so many times growing up that I was, you know, quote unquote, sexually harassed. But I just ignored it because you were told, suck it up. Yes, and, I know. <laughs> so, you know, and, and there were some I'm people. you said that one, not but, me. Because same thing I was thinking. You know, like, think about when we grew up, um, I, it was not uncommon that after school there was a fight. Oh, right? yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's, you go have your fight, you're done, you're best friends again tomorrow, you know? Well, so. Now you get expelled for a month. You lose part of your education. You have to make it up through summer school because you got in a fight. I, I, I remember, and so and I, I'm going to try and keep this clean because we do keep a clean podcast. <laughs> so I, I think I'll be okay, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes, right? So when I was in seventh grade, I transitioned from elementary school to junior high. Mm. And in junior high, so, oh my gosh, there's, there's two things that I'm going to share here that you know, talking about like sexual harassment. Right, so, I'll, I'll get the beat button. Uh, yeah, right. So in seventh grade, all of a sudden you had gym and my gym teacher, he required, required, it was part of your grade, a jock check. Oh yeah. Yeah. You had that too? Oh yeah. Oh, shut yeah, up. I thought I was no, the only, uh-uh. <laughs> like, no. it was so ridiculous. No, matter of fact, um, uh, if you didn't have a jock strap, you failed the gym class. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to hear something even crazier, so um, the the same gentleman who um, I was talking about earlier who, who just knows everything about TV. Yeah. Um, somehow we had a conversation, of, and I think something like that came up that, you know, when I, he says, oh, that's nothing. When I grew up in junior high, our junior high had a pool. <laughs> and um, if you didn't have a swimsuit, they didn't care. You, you still went swimming. <laughs> so what so I'm he, talking about he is... He grew up with times where he, for his gym class, went swimming in the nude. And he says, and I, and, and I says, like, just you? And he's like, oh, no, there was about probably half the class. Yeah. I'm just like, What? <laughs> and so, you know, today that would be classified as sexual harassment. Oh, oh, yeah. When back then it was not classified. So, 
it's not just, hey, we're talking about it, but like the whole perception has changed. But I'm going to share the second thing of, you know, seventh grade gym class. I was warned of this, and sure enough, it happened. Everyone would go around with their towels and they would whip people <laughs> naked, you know? And so it was not uncommon to see yeah. two naked boys running around, one of them whipping the other one in the butt with their towel. <laughs> <laughs> You can't tell me that today yeah. that wouldn't like throw someone in prison for sexual harassment. Yeah. Whereas back then it was like quote unquote rite of passage. And I'm not <laughs> suggesting that we need to go back to the good old days when, you know, people got right. whipped I, with I, towels. I agree. But I also don't think that someone should get a prison sentence because, you know, teenage boys are stupid and do stupid things. And yeah. Well, and I, you know, that, that's the thing I tell the younger generation is that uh, whether you like it or not, um, each generation was raised with different standards. Yeah. And then the next generation that comes up says something about that was inappropriate. And then they try to force changes on the previous generations and tell them how horrible they are. Right. Right. Okay. And a classic example, um, wh whether people want to openly admit it or not, it factually Mostly factually. It's a side conversation. So <laughs> we can have our opinion. My opinion is <laughs> when you look at like the baby boomer generation, especially the, the front end of the baby boomer generation, not so much the tail end, but the front end of the baby boomer generation, it was a very male dominant society. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that generation tended to be what our generation would call male chauvinistic. Right. But to them, uh, the, the wife was at home, took care of things at the home. He he went out, did the work, and made the bread and butter, if you know what I mean, and brought home the dough. And and so it, it wasn't, you know, I look at it and I think, tell most people, look, calm down. You have to understand, if you don't understand that piece of them, of course they're male chauvinistic, but they were raised with that was an okay standard. Well, here's the crazy thing. So my parents... Uh, there was, oh, and I'm trying to remember what happened. It, this wasn't too long ago, just a few months ago, where my dad, in my opinion, was being chauvinistic. And I kind of went to my mom and I'm just like, hey, you know, are you okay with that? And she's like, oh, I like that. Like she, she wanted it. And it wasn't from like her being suppressed. It was she felt like he was taking care of her and watching out for her, and she appreciated, yeah. you know, that behavior. And so now that doesn't mean that that's always been the case. There are many, many examples of abuse. abuse. Yeah. yeah. You know, but even the term abuse, I look at things that it's like, oh, you know, you're so abusive. And I'm just like, okay, let's get clear on what abuse is versus, I mean, someone can be ornery, someone can be mean, you know. You're right. And I'm like, there's a big difference between mean and abusive. Well, oh, and exactly. And you see it in the workplace and, you know, that someone's having a bad day and they snap. Well, he abused me. That They, they, they yelled at me. Okay, well, what did you do wrong? Yeah. Well, I wrecked the car. And he yelled at you. Did he hit you? No. Uh, did he calm down afterwards? Yes. What, but Was it repeated? Was it? Yeah. But... I don't, I don't know. It's, but I, and that, I think, see, I think that goes clear back to, you know, when you don't understand something, what do you do? You, you attack it. Yeah. Or, or there's fear and I hide because I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. Versus, no, why don't you learn to understand it? Understand the differences in the generations, you know? 
Well, like my grandmother, uh, which was amazing, even to the day that she died, she would never, she would never get caught dead going to the grocery store not being all dolled up. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That was her standard, that you you never went out of the house if you didn't look like a million bucks. Uh-huh. And, and I learned to appreciate that and love that fact about her, especially when I go to Walmart today and I... I'm like, wow, what corner did you crawl out of, you know? Um, so it's, have you ever watched, um, they're all over the internet, uh, especially on like YouTube. They've taken old footage and they've cleaned it up. In fact, uh, Peter Jackson, is that the guy that he's the director? Did I get the right name? I don't know. Uh, he did the King Kong movie. I think he also did the Lord of the Rings movies. Could be. Anyway, so he did a uh, he took some World War One actual footage, not you know not a Hollywood representation, but actual footage, made a whole movie out of it. Oh my gosh, I think everyone should watch mm-hmm. that. It like if you want to understand what the war was really like, so everything in this was actual. It was actual, actual voice footage. recordings. Really. So what he did, cool project, right? He took actual footage and they used um, digital technology to clean it up. So, you know, when you see old footage, you picture Charlie Chaplin and he's like super stiff and and rigid and everything. No, they flowed like normal human beings. And so what they can do is with digital technologies, they can fill in the gaps. And so they can make it smooth Smooth. now. And then they can also colorize it. They can uh, right. they can look at the hues of the black and white and figure out what color it should have been. Mm. And so it just looks like a regular recording. And then he went back into the London archives, and uh, you know, and and I don't remember if it was in the video or the, I watched the making of, but he said that he wanted the actual voices of the people. And so, and he wanted them when they were young. So that's why he went in the archives because he still could have, you know, gotten them when they were right. older. But he's like, I wanted them when their minds were, were sharp and clear. And, you know, and they would give firsthand account of what it was like. And then they would hire lip readers. So if ever someone was mouthing something, they would hire lip readers to, you know, be like, what did they say there? And then they would get, you know, professional uh, voiceover. Uh, it's extraordinarily well done. Um, And I'm trying to remember the name of it. But a fabulous movie. I think everyone should watch it. And it's so crazy because it gives you perspective of what World War I was. Like my favorite line in the thing is some guy is like, yeah, we were bored. We were looking for something to do. And so we, uh, you know, we went ahead and uh, signed up for the Army because this sounded fun. And it it was more like a summer camp than it was war. And... Wow. And, and this is firsthand account. And everyone, you know, everyone looks at uh, World War One as horrific trench warfare. And I'm like, well, no, they cycled those people out. And so most of the time you weren't, now when you were in the trenches, and there's actual footage of this, like it showed, you know, these rats that were eating a horse, a oh. dead horse. And I mean, this is like real footage and it shows like they've got a latrine. It's a big old log over a pit (laughs) and too many guys sit on it and it breaks and the guys fall in the latrine. And this is all actual footage. None of this is made up. It's all like this. Cut that branch. (laughs) Put a few marks so it would give away. (laughs) Right. And and so, you know, it was just fascinating to, uh, to, to watch that, uh, you know, watch that video. Um, but yeah, different time, different, you know, different expectations. 
of of what people really thought of you know of of, of that war so. yeah I, well and that's the that's what i love about historians is because as as much as a lot of times we don't want to recognize uh, many of the tr- atrocities that happened mm-hmm. uh there's always when you dig into it there's always some and I say logic because I don't know what other use the word logic and why it took place, why one culture turned on another. There was always some. There was a reason or a rationale. Yeah. When when now when you look at it at surface level, you're going, wow, those guys were just mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but but when you look behind, you go, oh, as much as I still don't think that's a good reason. At least I see why. Yeah. You know, and and so you have. I mean. It, I don't know. I, I love, love, you know, looking into, well, I don't know. We're supposed to be talking about health and it seems like we're talking more about history, history and cultures and learning to understand them. And so that you can have at least appreciation or respect for them versus, you know, attacking and hating and fearing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I like the tangent that we got off on. I think, uh, I think there's some value in, in understanding that and, you know, and, and, and looking Looking at that, um, I don't know. See, another another cultural change that I've noticed a lot is how many entrepreneurs, like the old school entrepreneur, wanted to just work hard and make a ton of money. Uh, yes. And uh, there's, now it's all, I want to do something good with it. Yeah, yeah. Social, social, social entrepreneurship social, is, mm-hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't go for the money. Yes. You know, they make conscious choices that would decrease their profits. Right. And then they're okay with that. And, and so it's, it's very much an image or a lifestyle. Well, and that, and that is, there's so much more about business, and especially with health too, that, that uh, we're finding that, uh, especially in rural America, a ton of people are moving in from the cities to be in rural America because of the health and the lifestyle that they want that comes from it, that I can work, I can work for six, seven hours during the day and still have time to go ride my mountain bike Mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Okay. Or go bouldering or rock climbing or rappelling or uh, a number of other things that out in the places where I can do it. Because if I live in the city, it takes me too long to get to those places, especially if there's any type of traffic um, to, to do that right after work. Yeah. Right. You know, if I live in a city, my best thing I can do is go to the city park and run around the park and then feed the ducks. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they're, they're moving out of the cities, um, for the health benefits of it. And along with the clean air, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of major cities have, you know, thicker air. So if you have asthma at any level, then, uh, especially if you can remote work at all, uh, or, you know, or go into the office one day a week, it's not a big deal to then drive two hours back into a city for that one day. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've taken that approach and it's amazing that I spend more time doing fun things in the city now that I live further away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the city, but it was just trying to navigate through the city. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't necessarily appreciate what I was doing, uh, or enjoy, not appreciate, but enjoy what I was doing. You know, I'd have to run my errands and so I'd run them in the city and it'd take forever. Right. But now getting to the, you know, the arts and the entertainment that are offered in a city, like I do that more now than I did when I lived closer to the city. 
Yeah, because you didn't want to fight traffic. Yeah, I've never lived in a downtown. I think I'm okay with that. Me too. <laughs> so, all right, well, take care of your health. <laughs> but uh, seriously, and I know that I'm just kind of saying that as a hey, so weird wrap-up. So when, oh, before you wrap up, one thing I've noticed. So um, <clears throat> the one thing that I recently um, I need to do more homework on when it comes to health, and I bring this up because I'm sure there's other people in the same thing, is uh, I'm finding that I don't have a consistent, healthy stretching routine. I don't do hardly any stretching, and and yet I'm not, and I'm not into yoga or things like that, but um, heads up, I think that's if you're, if you're staying active, I, I'm finding that that's a piece that I'm missing in my health mm-hmm. is a five, maybe 10 minute stretching routine on my off days or somewhere in there to help keep the flexibility and the motion and other things. Because, um, you know, if you just work certain muscles pretty soon, you'll lose that flexibility if you're not doing it. Right. Yeah. So, and it's um, super hard to get that back. Yeah. And I probably, I've probably lost some. So anyways, that's one of my goals for this you're coming up is to find that uh, stretching routine that I can memorize and easily do that that gets most of the major muscles and and gets me some of that flexibility back. So, so you need to understand the difference between static and dynamic stretching. That's I see, a, I, that's, that's more a, homework I got to do. It's a huge mistake that people make. I'll give the, the quick and dirty. So static is where, you know, touch your toes and, and hold it there, right? Yeah. You're going to hold it there. Dynamic is where you're going to have, you know, picture like a dancer that is like, you know, moving their entire body. Okay. So that's adding flexibility. The movements are very active movements that are adding, you know, flexibility to it. Uh, if you do like, let's say that you're going to go lift weights and if you do a static stretch, uh, you know, five to 10 minutes of static stretch followed by an hour long, you know, weight training regimen, you're not going to gain any flexibility because the static on a cold muscle followed by shortening of the muscle through uh, weight training is, it's dumb, you know? And so like you, you really should start your warm ups should be dynamic and your cool down should be static. Mm, okay. And, Good to know. You know, and so if you're, uh, if you're after your muscles are already warm, then you can do more of the, the static. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like in yoga, you'll start with like a Bodhi flow. It's a very flowing movement to uh, be more dynamic as opposed to just, just holding. Okay. You know, so there's a lot to stretching. So maybe that's your takeaway for the health. If you're not stretching, uh, and I need to do more homework now on the static and the dynamic because I, I put it all in the same category, but now with that comment, I'm like, oh, okay, I need to understand the difference. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I, realize that that's one thing I am missing that I need to get incorporated, especially as I get older. I'll I'll watch all of these, especially like high school level sports. Oh, their warmups are horrible. (laughs) Their stretching is horrible. And it's so important at that stage of life because you're setting habits for, you know, lifelong habits. And... I mean, you look at it, how many high school sports have regular injuries? A lot. Almost every single one has people that are out injured, good players. They're like, yeah, you know, our star player's out with an injury. You just expect it. And I'm thinking to myself, guys, 
you don't have to expect it. Like if if you are expecting to have key players out with injuries for a season, first off, these are high school players. You know, I mean, yeah. like look at look at professional players. Yes, injuries happen. But if you look at professional players, the amount of time they're spending at their sport and the amount of injuries they're getting, it's significantly lower than high school level, you know, versus the time. So, you know, if I'm just doing something for a couple hours after school for one season versus someone who lives and breathes this, you know, you would expect the person who's doing it all the time to get injured more. I'm like, nope. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's why understanding stretching and mobility and you know, proper balance of the muscles. Like it's, I, I have been active. Oh, well, I'll put it this way. The last time that I had to adjust, I wasn't even out, but I had to adjust my workout was two years ago for a minor, uh, you know, a, a minor injury that, you know, kind of slowed me down. It never, never got me out. So, you know, and I work out, five, six days a week consistently, you know, I, I, I go canyoneering and mm -hmm. very, very aggressive. And, and I'm like, I'm not out with injuries and I'm an old dude, you know? And so it's just, Oh, I hate that. Sorry. That's just a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> when I see all these coaches abuse high school kids out of ignorance. Uh, oh. Unfortunately, that's what it is out of ignorance. Yeah, they're doing the same warm ups that were done. Oh, I did this when I, yeah, you were in the 70s doing right. wrestling. And we have better sports medicine now to <laughs> yeah. help us understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. Well, I'm done now. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>